Anyways, praise God. Great to be alive on planet Earth. I often tell people there's no other planet I'd rather be on than planet Earth. Amen? <laughs> joke this morning. Um, to, uh, let me get the joke here. Priest, minister, and a rabbi wanted to see who did the best job in their career. So they each went to the woods to find a bear and attempt to convert the bear. Later they get together, and the priest says, well, I did a catechism, and I sprinkled the bear, and next week is his first communion. The minister says, I preached, and um, boy, the bear was so mesmerized, he got baptized. They looked at the rabbi in a gurney, in a body cast, and as he's kind of looking down, he's saying, you know, looking back, maybe I shouldn't have started with circumcision. <laughs> so anyways, hopefully, uh, <laughs> hopefully that um, I can be wiser than that rabbi this morning. <laughs> We're going to be talking this morning about um, Jesus Christ. Now, anybody here who's born again is Christian, that, that, that Jesus, the King, the Lord, is a very standard. But I want to look at something this morning that I think is just a little, a little different angle. How many know that you're probably not going to hear anything this morning that you've never heard, so it's all pretty standard stuff, but I hope that what you hear this morning will challenge you. We, we, I think we constantly need to be reminded of the things that are, are valuable and important. So in Matthew 27, starting at verse 38, what I want to pick up here is the fact that um, we see Jesus on earth, God in the flesh. And he's getting ready to check out. He's getting ready to leave this world. He's getting ready to depart. And in verse 38 it says, Two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by. Now, what I want to bring out here is, if you were uh, alive back at that time, this is what you would have saw. You would have seen him live, and he would have done his ministry, and as he's coming to the end of his life, you would have seen him arrested. You would have seen him beaten, possibly, if you were really close there and watching but the other thing that you would have seen was you would have seen him hanging on that cross. And I want to pick up here where he's on the cross. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by hurled insult at him. So here he is, God in the flesh. This is not just some average Joe Blow, folks. This is God in the flesh. Amen. One who, before he came to earth, sat at the right hand of the Father in power, and in might. Isaiah, if you check, Isaiah 6, if you get a chance to check into Isaiah 6, uh, Isaiah was crying and belly aching, and, and, and that's a, a Giles translation, okay? And he was crying the blues about what was going on in his world, and it's like the heavens were opened, and suddenly he got a glimpse, and he said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. And, and, and the, the seraphims, these, these like angelic beings, they spoke. And when they spoke, there was such authority. They had such power that, that, that the, the um, pillars that were kind of holding everything together started shaking. So here's my belief. I believe this was Jesus, a pre-seeing a pre of Jesus. 
And he shreds off his power. He shreds off his glory so that he could die for you and for me. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads saying, you who are to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down for the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. So, so it isn't just the people mocking him, but it's, the, it's the, the religious leaders. It's the leaders of the day, the people who are kind of governing these, the, the, the locals, who are saying, this is a big joke. Look at this guy hanging up there. Isaiah 52 says that his countenance was so marked that he wasn't even recognizable. He'd been beaten like, like, like some piece of meat. But all the time, ladies and gentlemen, he was God in the flesh. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. Mockery. They're mocking. They're not, they're not, they couldn't care less. They're just making a big joke. Well, come on down. If you're the, if you're the king, man, let, let, let's see you do something special. Do one of your fancy miracles so we can see, right? That, that's what they're saying. He trusted in God. God rescued him. Now, now, let, now see if he wants for it. He said, I am the son of God. So he's basically, they're, they're saying, well, you said you were the son of God. Well, come on, prove it, man. Let's, let's see something. In the same way, even the, the, the robbers that were with him. Whew. I mean, here you are strung out there, man. God in the flesh. And you've got one guy on the, on the right side who's a thief and another guy on the other side who's a criminal of some kind. And even they are mocking him saying, well, you call yourself God. Come on, man. Help us out to here too. You, you come down and get us down too. So, so what I'm trying to capture here, ladies and gentlemen, is that the fact that, that he, as he's leaving this world, He's being humiliated, disgraced, shamed, and he, he's in pain, and he's in suffering. And, and, and I don't know anybody here, don't, don't put up your hand. Anybody here ever been shamed and, and, and been embarrassed? Maybe when you were in school, you know, you, you had kids making fun of you. Or, you know, not fun, is it? Nobody likes to be made look like an idiot. Nobody wants to be made look stupid and embarrassed. But here's God in the flesh. King of kings, Lord of lords, and he's being treated like something less than human. Finally, a verse, uh, what verse we got there? Verse, um, keep going. <laughs> Can you pay to the next one? Uh, and in the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, and, and that basically is a language I'm not familiar with, but Eloi, Eloi, Lama, Sabachthani. Which means, my God, why have you, why, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? May I just interject here for a minute to say one thing? There's an irony there. He's crying out, saying, "Why have you forsaken me?" And yet, God the Father is right there. I believe the whole time. I don't think His Father ever left Him during this time. He may have turned his back on him momentarily, but I don't think he ever left him. I think he was still present there. And, and, and there's a kind of a, a, a funny twist because he, he's, he's saying, Lord, where are you at? Anybody here ever been in a situation where you're saying, Lord, where are you at? And yet Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I am with you until the end of the age. Woof! That means he's always present. Amen. <laughs> My God. 
why have you forsaken me? When some of, his, of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling for Elijah. And it goes on to say, let's see it at the bottom. It says, let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And later on it says, eventually he gave up the ghost. He eventually died. But he died embarrassed, humiliated. And the average person that walked by the cross and seen him hanging there probably said, boy, Oh, that's an awful thing. You ever felt pity for somebody? Here he is, God in the flesh. And as he's getting ready to check out in life, he's got human beings who he created, human beings who he made, human, he, human beings who he spoke into existence who were looking at him and saying, oh, I really feel sorry about that. You know, there'd be people who would, the average person, would look and say, boy, the guy hanging up on the cross like that. You got a bunch of women off over to the side someplace crying and weeping, his mom and a couple other, few other women. And you'd probably look at that scene and say, oh, my, it's awful. Well, that's, that's awful. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he quit. He gave up his spirit. He died. It was finished. That's how he left. Now, the past, the present is now. You and I all came born into this world. We, we, we've got a, a span of time. We're going to live. Whew, we're going to die. Uh, what a rip-off, eh? I think you spend your whole life. I, I grew up in a home where my uh, parents, my grandfather specifically, was 60-plus years old when he bought property. Long story short, some things had happened. He had had the home place where he was farming, and uh, some things happened, and so he had to actually buy that back from the, the state. And here at 60-plus years old, he's buying land. When he should be slowing down, he's buying land. And when he was in his 70s, he bought another piece of property and was working, used to work, 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 and then he died and left it all. And you know what was interesting? The, the people he left it, he had $3 and a son, and the people he left it to didn't even help him much when he's on the farm. He had a son who worked with him, but he had $3. My mother was one of them. And, you know, I never seen her drive, drive a tractor. I never seen her out in the field hoeing or anything like that. And when, when he died, she got her cut like everybody else. And I don't say that to belittle anybody or be condemning, but my point is, you know, he worked hard just so somebody else could have it. Wow. Oh. And he, I believe it happened because we go back to Adam and Jesus, uh, uh, God said, in the day that you eat the fruit, you shall surely die. And how many know people have been dying ever since? I got some good news for you. One of these days, you're going to die too. <laughs> Yay! One of these days, your carcass is going to be up here at the front of this church if this is where you attend. And Brother Jesse over there, if he's still pastoring, he's going to say a few words and you're going to check out. Now, that can be good news and that can be bad news. But that's the reality. I'll talk about me one of these days, just like I said. And more than likely, I'll be stood out there. And I hope that whoever you know, prepares my body does a nice job. <laughs> a little joke there, kind of make it kind of lighten it up a little bit, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the point of it is, I'm going to die and, and I'm going to be judged. Romans 4, if you will. Can you go to Romans 4? 
And that's uh, in uh, Romans 4.11. The Bible says this. Romans 4. Uh, oh, that's the wrong one. Let me read uh, Romans 4 here. No, Romans 14, I think it is. That's where I went wrong. And I'm nervous. Can anybody tell I'm a little nervous this morning? First time. <laughs> First time. It's been a long time since I've been up here, and it's funny how you get out of the habit, and pretty soon you're saying things and doing things. Just, oh, jeez, I it should be Romans 14. <laughs> Romans 14, and it says in verse 11. Still around here now. See it. Basically, what it says is every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess and give praise to God. In verse 12, it says of, of Ephesians 4 12, um, each of us will give a personal account to God. For our lives. So you here this morning, if you're uh, human, which I think I hope you are and qualify, <laughs> you're going to stand before Him one day, and you're going to have to give an account for your life, and you're going to explain to Him some things. And I, I don't know about you folks, but I have this thing called an ability to make decisions. Anybody here got one of those? Sometimes when you make decisions, you make judgments, you know. And sometimes when you make judgments. You think, well, I know what I'm talking about. And if I decide, you know, it's a beautiful day out, and everybody else says, but it's raining, then they're wrong and I'm right. You know, I, I, I know how to judge. I'm good at it. You know, I'm a good judge. And, and, and you know, and get on government. Oh, my goodness. You know, I know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm a judge. But I'm good. And I say all that to say this. One day, when the judgment day comes, my judgment ain't going to be worth two cents. Huh? Your judgment, huh, ain't going to be worth three cents. <laughs> the only judgment that's going to matter <clears throat> is his. He's going to make the final judgment. And in verse 12 it says, and every one of us will give an account to who? Not to yourself, not to your neighbor, oh, not even to the pastor. Although we might be, we might be better off. I don't know. <laughs> but, but who? But to God. So each one of you here will give an account to God. The people that you're working with Maybe, or your neighbors who you've maybe tried to talk to, witness to, communicate. Oh, I don't believe in all that religious stuff. You're, you, we've all heard the arguments why they don't want to be in, into, into God. Oh, oh, the hypocrites. You don't want to mess with them, people. Well, if God was so loving and merciful, how come whatever happened, you know? How come kids in you know, other countries are starving to death? If God was so merciful, wouldn't, uh, why wouldn't he jump in and do something? You, you know, we've heard all these arguments. But the reality of it is, all those people will one day die. And the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die, and what? And then the judgment. Now, what I want to bring out is Jesus Christ, past, present, and future. What's he going to look like in the future? Revelations 1 starting at verse 7. We have Revelations 1, starting at verse 7. Now, as I told you earlier, when Jesus left this world, the average person 
looking at him would have looked at him in, in, in uh, anything ranging from pity to condemnation to whatever as he was hanging on that cross. Now he's coming back. Okay? And here John the Revelator gets a little taste, gives us a little insight as to what things are going to look like when he comes back. And John says, look, he's coming with the clouds. And every eye will see him. Gary Giles' eye will see him. Woo! Wow. <laughs> Even those who pierced him will see him. Those who were making a joke out of him will see him. And what does it say? And all peoples of the earth will mourn. Will this be a time to get excited and pumped and saying, boy, my judgment was good. I told you that guy was just a, was just a lark. I told you that Jesus Christ, he's probably talking to one of his friends, you know, eh, he, you know, hanging on the cross like that. Here he is. See, I was right. Wrong. Every I will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Folks, get a taste of the future. There it is right there. And he says, I am the omega, alpha, excuse me, I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord. The one who always was, he always was, ladies and gentlemen. He who, who is, who, who is, pardon me, got it wrong, who is, who was, and is to come, the Almighty. So John's going to say, I, John, your companion in the sufferings and kingdom and patience and endurance that are ours in Jesus Christ was on the Isle of Patmos because of the word of the Lord and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Do you know that there are, according to anything statistically, there are more people uh, being persecuted today than, than have ever that persecution of Christians has been something that has gone down since the beginning of time and is still happening today. We as people living in our culture, probably for the most part, have little or no idea of, of um, what it is to be persecuted. Can you imagine um, you come to church this morning and probably you got in your vehicle or however you got here. Can you imagine if, if, if you're living in a culture, in a country where to meet like this could put you in jail? Can you imagine if you were, were in a situation where maybe there's police who are, are, you know, stopping you on your way, and where are you headed? Oh, yeah, why? And would you start asking a bunch of questions and, you know, started digging into your life, and all of a sudden people start showing up on your, you know, your front doors, start questioning you because you're a Christian. Or maybe when I was in, I was in Vietnam a number of years ago, and... Uh, Ho Chi Minh City, old Saigon. And I met a gentleman there. He's an older man. And I remember him telling me how he'd been arrested for his faith in Jesus Christ. And they had him in jail for about a week. And they're questioning him. And they're really putting him through the ringer. And I remember standing there thinking, wow, how could you do that? I, little story here. <laughs> I, uh, I'm in Vietnam, right? And so I'm standing at this hotel. And so I'm with a buddy who was initially a boatman. And he came over to Canada, and then he went back over there doing mission work. So I went back with him on this one tour, one trip. So I go back, and so we're staying at the hotel. So Sunday morning comes, and he's going to take us to one of the host, host churches. 
so fun and good. So, you know, I get on my suit and tie, you know, prayed up, you know, and, and um, my Bible in my hand, you know, my, my big King James or whatever verse I had, you know, and I got the Bible, and I'm going to church. So, <laughs> I, we get in the taxi, right, to go to the church, so fun and good, so. I get out of the taxi, so I don't know how to speak any of the language. I don't know what's, I'm just with my friend, totally depending upon him for everything, because I don't know. So I get out, and so from about here to that door, the, we, I got out, and I was standing there, and the people were standing in the doorway of their house. And they would look at me, and they'd say, like this, you know. And my buddy was off, and he was paying for the taxi. And a couple more times, they'd say, like this, you know. So I'm standing there waiting for the, you know, the guy that I'm going with because I don't know what else to do. So after it's uh, all over, he pays the guy, and we go walking in. And I says to my buddy kind of on the way over there, I says, you know, these are really nice people. They're waving me to come, you know, and boy, I, I really, that's really nice. <laughs> he says, no, they're not being nice, man. They're saying, come on, get in out of the way so nobody will see you, man. There could be a policeman out there. There could be neighbors who will phone the police. You, you're, you stand out there like a sore thumb. I'm the only black guy out there, man. I'm, I'm you know, standing a foot taller than everybody else. Got my Bible, thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And I suddenly realized, oh, this is a different world, man. I got to do things differently here because I could get put in jail just for standing there looking stupid. You know, I didn't know what was going on. I just thought we were just having church, man. But my point is, there's people that's paying a price for their Christianity. I, I, on the Lord's Day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. Now, uh, um, one of the things I want to try to bring out this morning is in three different places here where it talks about when he speaks. So Jesus, in the last few minutes of his life, was crying out, Lord, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> so many different things, but he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And finally, he says, Lord, into your hands I commit my spirit. So his last words were probably gasping. Just, Lord, you know, and, and just you could probably have to listen to hear him. But praise God, you don't have to listen hard to hear him now. I believe his voice is going forth, like, like, like John said, like a trumpet. With a loud voice which said, write on the scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. And it goes down a little further. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I saw the seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of God, Son of Man. He always referred to himself as the Son of Man. So John, who had lived with Jesus, walked with Jesus, saw the miracles, in all likelihood saw him die, is saying, yeah, I remember that, the Son of Man. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. Little father, and the, the, the thing that you realize here is this is not Jesus, the, the poor, weak, trying, struggling, trying to make it. No, this is the king. He's back to his original place of glory and power. He said his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, eyes were like blazing fire. Over the years, the odd time I, I've, I've heard people talk about having visions of Jesus and that's one of the things you hear eyes were like fire blazing fire his feet bronze glowing in a like like bronze glowing in a furnace and again his voice the voice was like the sound of a rushing waters when he speaks 
He speaks with authority. Have you ever heard anybody that you ever talk, heard speak and they speaking with authority and you think, you know, you kind of... Because, you know, when you're not bored, when you're, when, you're, when you're listening to somebody that's speaking with authority, man, you're just kind of sitting there thinking, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> Anyways, in his right hand, he had seven stars. Now, and here's again, he speaks, right? And, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. Again, authority. He will come and he will one day stand before Gary Giles. Woo! And he will pronounce judgment, whatever that is. He will stand before Brother Jesse. I'm going to pick on you, Jesse. <laughs> and he will pronounce judgment on Jesse, whatever that is. And he will say to us, one way or the other, either come on in, enjoy the, in the joys of your Lord. Or he'll point at some and he'll say, depart. Ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you, this is serious business. Christianity isn't just a Sunday morning go to church and, well, I'll come up and go home and that's about it. It's day-to-day -day life and living. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have sinned. All of us have done things that we're ashamed of. If you, if you breathe air, I think that's a reasonable statement. But try to keep in mind, and I would say this to our young people too, try to keep in mind, you're, 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 you're sort of on trial here. And, you're, and, and the records are being kept of what you're doing and how you're living. And one day, he's going to pull those records out and he's going to point at you and he's going to make a judgment. He's going to make a decree. Are you ready? Are you ready? If you were to drop dead right now, are you ready? Some time ago, I was in a situation. I had a couple of situations. I'll tell you the first one. And um, go to work one morning, you know. And uh, I was driving a truck and Monday morning and goes to work and I started having this chest pain. Got halfway to work and pulled in and get a little drink of water and uh, get the pain to go away, you know. Gets to work, doing the paperwork. Goes to climbing my truck and I can't even get in the truck. I'm so weak. I'm just, something's wrong. Oh. I have no clue what's going on. So I decided to go. I, I told my worker, I said, my boss, I said, I can't, I can't drive. There's something wrong. And so I said, well, my day's shot. I might as well do something, so I went to Walmart and did some shopping, you know. <laughs> and so I get to Walmart, and I see a, a fellow sister I know of, a fellow uh, Christian, I said, sister, pray for me. So I go home, and my wife said, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, dear, I live here. <laughs> and so I told her what's going on, and she says, well, here, take an aspirin. Let's see if it goes away. So I took an aspirin, and nothing's happening, and Finally, she says, you know, I think we should take you and get you looked at and just see what's going on. I don't really want to go in. You know, if you go in there, you're going to sit there for five hours, and they're going to send you home, and I don't want to be bothered. But all right, let's go. So I get to the, goes to the hospital and gets in there, and I says to him, I says, hey, um, I have these chest pains. 
And then he started moving. They had a guy sitting in the chair there, ripped him out, threw me in there, you know. And, oh, I just did chest pain, broke down, you know. And so they, you know, they get me in a room and sit me down. Finally, a guy walks in. And uh, he walks in and he says, you know, from everything we can tell, you're in the middle of having a heart attack. I said, you mean the guy in the next bed, right? That guy over there? I, I don't do heart attacks very well. I'm just not, just not my thing. I never really, you know what I'm saying? I never really was taught about how to deal with heart attacks. <laughs> I found out, according to what they were saying, that the 50%, 50% of the symptoms of heart attack, of all heart attacks, is death. And I said, that doesn't sound good. You know, I'm just, I'm not impressed. You know what, can you give me some other statistics? <laughs> anyway, so ended up getting some work done on my heart and so on and so forth. Da, 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 da. And I, I found myself thinking, boy, this, this thing called life is pretty thin. It's, you know, you could, hmm. Me and my wife were coming home from Alberta here a few years ago. And it's like in the middle of winter, you know. And so we're, we're, we're driving down, coming from... Uh, Calgary to, to Castlegar here, and so we're we're kind of um, in what's the name of that place there? We were, we, uh, you know, Sparwood. Sparwood, and we were just coming. Uh, uh, I think it was out of Sparwood, or coming into Sparwood, I think. And so there's a bit of a bend, and if you've been that road, you know there's all kinds of curves and bends, and a little bit of snow on the road. Nothing real serious, you know. And I'm moving along 55, 60 miles an hour, and I'm tired. It's innocent night, and. I should have probably stayed at the last place we were at. And initially, when we left, uh, I was wanted to stay where we were at. Oh no, no, I want to get home. My wife, I want to get home. You know, and I said, okay, whatever. So we're heading home, and and we're going around a slight bend in a bridge, and, and the, we're kind of going across this bridge, and it's a slight little, you know, nothing real serious, 55, 60 miles an hour. All of a sudden, I look up, and I turn to my wife, and we're doing one of these. Vehicle just doing one of these. And it went around twice, crossed over into the oncoming lane down in the ditch. And we, it stopped, and I'm sitting there just kind of, you know, anybody ever have one of those moments, you know, and you're just kind of, and your, your brain goes numb and you don't know what to do. It wasn't, uh, what would you say, not even five minutes later, a vehicle coming this way, a pickup was coming this way. And it saw what was going on, pulled over and stopped. Five minutes, ladies and gentlemen. I may not have been here talking to you now. And you may have said, yay. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but the point of it is, you know, you, you're staring death in the face and you think, this is too close. I don't like this. But I bet you every one of you folks sitting in this audience today could talk about a moment when you were staring either death in the face or close to it. And the point of it is, none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. Or maybe I should, is anybody here guaranteed tomorrow? Maybe, I don't see any hands. Once, going twice. <laughs> but the um, point of it is, nobody's guaranteed tomorrow. And I ask you this question. If you were to check out right now, and you had to stand before him that I've just described, what would it look like? Only you can answer that question. You, you know your life. But may I suggest to you, whatever your life is about, whoever you are, this is your future right here. His head 
and his hair were like white wool, as white as snow. And some folks, uh, you could see that. I had a guy a number of years ago say, well, he said that was because he was an old age. He looked, and I said, no, got nothing to do with old age. It's got to do with the glory of the Lord. That's my personal opinion. The whiteness, he's describing the glory that's on this man called Jesus, white like wool, as, as white as snow. And his eyes were like flaming fire again. His bronze, and it goes on to describe. And then it said here, in, uh, in, in his right hand, he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp, double-edged sword. I believe he's going to rule, man, with such power. I believe we're going to look at him and just say, wow. In fact, if you keep going, his face, it said his face was like a shining in all its brilliance. And here's John. A good man, John, who loved the Lord, man who, who had left everything and went after Jesus, had been persecuted. He said, the reason I got in this mess was because I was a Christian. I ended up on this island because I was serving Jesus. And he says, when I saw him. And you've got to keep in mind, this isn't the first time he saw Jesus. He lived with Jesus. Huh? He walked with Jesus. He, 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 Jesus, uh, he was one of Jesus' closest buddies. He says, when I saw him, he says, I fell at his feet as though dead. I believe what he's saying there is, I saw him in his glory. And all I could do was fall and worship. All I could do was look and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And ladies and gentlemen, may I say to you, one of these days, you're going to stand before him who's holy. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? As he stands there in power and in majesty and might as, as God in flesh, as king, as Lord of the universe, what are you going to say to him? John the Revelator says, a fellow's a man. The beautiful thing is, he placed Jesus, placed his hand upon his, on me and said, don't be afraid, I'm the first, and I'm the last. Hey, John, baby, I'm it, man. <laughs> it doesn't get any higher than me. I'm the one who walks in all authority. I'm the one who walks in power. In verse 18, he says, I'm the living one. He says, oh, John, guess what? I was dead, John. They took my life, John. They made me look like an idiot. I had to go through an embarrassing time, a shameful time. Who he did it for you, and he did it for me. For God to love the world. I was dead. But guess what, John? I'm alive forever. Alive forever and ever. And guess what, John? I hold the keys of death and Hades. I'm the one who's got the final say, man. I'm the judge. Not Gary Child. <laughs> Not Jesse Hillers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Our judgment, sometimes it can be a little twisted because we see things from our perspective. And we've got to realize that he's the one who will one day be the judge. 
And he's giving us his word. Man. It's not just sort of throw it out there and say, well, hey, guys, you just do the best you can and hope for the best. He, he gives us his word. That's why it's good to be in his word. But he said, I hold the keys of death and Hades. And I live forever. You know, I don't know about you folks, but I have no concept, absolutely no concept of eternity. I mean, I do well to look at getting through the end of the day sometimes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, things you have to do and responsibilities. And I tell folks, too, I says, these old bodies of clay, I says, I've had aches and pains in places I didn't even know existed. You know what I'm saying? And just woes and going to doctors and, you know, and, and chiropractors and this and that. And you think, gee, this is getting old, ain't it? Exciting thing. That was supposed to be in my golden years. And I'm thinking, this is golden. <laughs> he said, but I hold the keys of death and Hades. And he's the final judge. He's the king. He's the Lord. And even now, as we sit here and listen to me, and I hope you are. I hope you're getting something out of it. <laughs> even now... In a world we can't see, angels, ladies and gentlemen, are bowing down and they're worshiping and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's king, ladies and gentlemen. He's king now and he's going to be king in the future. And I invite you to think about that. Realize that one day, when you leave this body of clay, when they lay it down, when they say, well, shaking their head. One day somebody's going to look over you and they're going to shake their head. Can't do anything for them. And we could look at that and say, oh, man. Or we could look at that and say, you know, now I'm in phase three of my life. <laughs> Move on to be with the king. Yay! Or, oh, you know, I would played the fool all my life. And now what is there for me? <sighs> decisions, decisions. You know? <laughs> Perhaps you're here this morning and something that's been said has kind of ringed and you say, you know, Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You're, you're among people here who are fellow believers. People who I believe love you. Ain't that right, brother? Good, good church here, isn't it? Didn't you say so? <laughs> and you say, you know, I, I, I've been putting off giving my life to Jesus. I've been thinking about it. But, you know, I always find an excuse this morning. 